everybody. Welcome to I'll Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. If you're new to the show, welcome. And if you are returning, welcome back. I appreciate each and every one of you. Hey, you guys, today's a special episode because I've got two guests on one episode. So today I'm talking, it's episode 73, and I'm talking with my friend, Jana Efforts and her friend, Nora Bird. I have been coaching Jana for over three years, and her and Nora are on the Wazelle team together, and they recently, Nora recently completed the Vermont 100 miler, and Jana paced her for the last 30 miles of the race. So I knew this was going on, I knew Jana was training to do the pacing, and it just happened this weekend, I was following along pictures, and I thought, oh my gosh, I wanna get them on the show while the race is fresh off their minds, and they can kinda talk to everybody about what the experience is like for the runner doing 100 miles, but also what the experience is like for someone on the crew. So I thought this was a really cool and unique opportunity, and these girls were really fun to talk to. You'll get to know them a little bit better in the episode. I won't go into too much detail there, but they're both awesome women, and this was a lot of fun chatting. I do want to mention Jana was at a resort on vacation. The girl was on vacation, and she still did this interview for me. And so you do hear a little bit of chatter in the background, some kids running by sometimes. So when if you do hear a little bit of extra background noise during this episode, I apologize for that. It's not the norm. It shouldn't be too bad though. Before we get talking with Jana and Nora, I want to talk to you guys about Kind Bars. I know you all buy Kind Bars at the grocery store like I do and you spend $2 a bar. Did you know that for $10 you can get a box with 10 Kind Snacks inside including free shipping? This is a $20 value and you're getting it for just $10 when you order a sample box. You'll also you'll get to try the Kind Snacks Club, where you'll receive monthly snacks at a discount, starting at ten dollars for your first order. You shouldn't have to choose between your health and taste when it comes to snacking. That's why both award-winning chefs and nutritionists love to recommend Kind Bars. I have tried the snack pack and I love it. I always go for the dark chocolate and the caramel and all that good stuff. But this is the third episode I'm telling you guys about it, so I obviously am very passionate. I really loved the jalapeno, the roasted jalapeno bar. It was so good. I want 10 more. And that's why the snack box, the sample box is really cool because you get to try different kinds that you haven't tried yet. My friend Ashley, Ashley Fizzerati, hello Ashley, also just told me that the founder of Kind Snacks was on Poppy Harlow's podcast recently. And she said it was a really phenomenal, awesome interview. So you should go check that out, Poppy Harlow's podcast where they talk to the founder of Kind Snacks. You guys can try your sample box. If you go to kindsnacks.com slash another, you'll get it for $10. You'll get 10 bars on your front doorstep for $10. That's half the price you'll pay at the grocery store. Head over to kindsnacks.com slash another. The live show for this podcast is coming up on Saturday, September 30th here in Indianapolis. Come run the Indie Women's Half Marathon or 5K. I'm pacing the 140 group. It's going to be awesome. When you register for my live show, I will email you with a discount code for the Half Marathon and 5K. We are going to have an awesome weekend. Michelle Gonzalez, Mary Johnson, Maggie Dials are joining me for this show. Come to my city and enjoy a weekend in Indianapolis with a couple of your girlfriends. Our July book club is almost through. We're almost done with our July book. I can't believe it. We're reading Ronda Rousey's book, My Fight, Your Fight. I am picking a new book for August book club. Super excited about that. So find our Facebook group. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine where we talk about the book. 
We also talk about episodes on the podcast. It's a lot of fun. You guys can follow me on Instagram, lindsayhine626. You can find me on Twitter at lindsayhine. If you're loving the show, if you could make sure you're subscribed, that is a huge help. And then if you wouldn't mind heading over to iTunes and leaving me a review, that would be super helpful. It's one of the best ways, or so they tell me that potential new listeners can find us. So that would be super helpful. And the other way you can help spread the word about the show is if you just share about it on social media. All right, guys, I think I've asked enough. I've talked enough. This is a long enough intro, right? I'm trying to keep them shorter, but it's hard. So we can do hard things though, right? I really hope you enjoyed this conversation with Jana and Nora. I know I did. Hi. Hey, is this Nora or Jana? This is Jana. Hey, what's up? How are you? I'm good. How are you? Oh, here's Nora coming in. Yay. Yay. Hi, sweetness. Let's let's record from the start so that you guys can get on with your day. I know you're on vacation, Jana. I am. But I'll tell you what, the break is nice for my kids. <laughs> and yeah. I have an extra kid because we're watching one of my girlfriend's kids for 10 days. 10? So I actually have three right now. 10 days? 10. Wow, you're, 10 a, days. you're a better friend than I. Pretty sainted, huh? Tell me about that. How old's the kid? 10. Okay. Okay. Well, 10. Yeah. She's Nora's friend. Okay. Well, I guess that makes a little, I'm still in such the baby phase that like watching one more kid is like a nightmare. The nail in the coffin. Yes. Okay. So everybody, I am really excited about this conversation and these girls are doing this on the fly for me. So this is awesome. Um, so Jana, we're talking to Jana Efforts. Do I say your last name right? You do. Okay, perfect. I've always wondered. And then Nora Bird. And um, just a little background. Jana and I have been friends. I want to say, did we? Did you reach out to me in 2013? I don't know. It was a the long end time of, ago. Well, we started chatting the end of 2013. You started coaching me in 2014. On and off. for That's a really long yeah. time. Yeah. So mm-hmm. well, anyway, Jana came to Indy and got to experience the Indy women's half, but only five miles of it because there was like a torrential downpour. Yes. And lightning. And they called us off the course. And then oh. tell everybody about that really quick. Oh, <laughs> well, you know, what's so funny is that I went out there and was trying for a PR and Sarah Overpeck was the pacer for that uh-huh. group. And so we went out and we were running and it was just pouring rain, like standing water on the, on the road. And (laughs) they just randomly alerted us like pretty casually to the fact that we were no longer going to be running. And this biker guy came by and was like, the race is done. And we're like, what? And he's like, no, the race is done. And we all just kept running until probably for another mile when we got to a stoplight and um, an officer was there like making us stop the race. And then um, Lindsay was riding in the car with my husband. They were spectating together and they just happened by us. And I was able to hop in the car because otherwise I would have had to run five miles back in the lightning <laughs> back into oh. Indy to get to the start line anyway. Yeah, like yeah it was pretty funny. You already done a half marathon almost by that point anyway. Totally, totally would have. Well, and <laughs> such a bummer because you, I mean, you flew in from Minnesota, like it was a weekend and I'm so excited we got to meet and everything, but I mean, you made a trip out of that. I did, but you know what? Indianapolis was awesome and we had so much fun. Oh, I, you guys stayed fancy, fancy pants at the Conrad, I think, right? Yeah, we're fancy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, right okay. now you're fancy. <laughs> Not right now. 
So, okay. And then tell me, tell everybody, Jana, just a little bit about you, your family, who you are, and then we'll have Nora do the same thing. Okay. Well, I am an attorney. I work in Owatonna. I have a small private practice here. Um, I'm a mom of two girls, ages four and 10. Um, and I have been back to running consistent, consistently since 2013. Um, after taking at least 11 years off and then kind of just coming back to it now and now and again. But, um, prior to that, I had run probably since the time I was five years old, um, through my second year in college. And what was your break all about? Um, you know, I was burned out mentally and physically. Um, at that point I had been running competitively for some time and I feel as though at that point, my relationship for eating and running was so intertwined. I wasn't comfortable with the way that was going. Mm-hmm. So I had to step away from it in order to get my head on straight. Interesting. Um, yeah. And since then, you've came back and qualified for Boston. Three times, thanks to you. Yeah, no, thanks to you. I didn't do the hard yeah. work. <laughs> I didn't put the miles in. You put the miles in. I've been really, you know, I think what the break was super good for is well, getting my head back on and coming back to it because I really loved it. Yeah. And that's just been really fun for me. That's awesome. And how about you, Nora? Yep. Oh, man, follow that up. So I am a professional baker, uh, but I left that to be a running coach. So that's my full-time gig now um, as a running coach. And I have a lot of local clients where I actually run with my clients. So for an ultra runner, that's really great because you get to get in a lot of miles uh, inadvertently. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of (laughs) nice. I have a 13-year-old daughter, and I have a stepdaughter, 14, and a stepson, 17. Um, so we have a house full of teenagers right now, which is really awesome. <laughs> um, if you follow me on any sort of social media, you also know that I have a large dog uh, who is pretty much like the baby of the family. So we spend a lot of time running and uh, vacationing together. And um, I've been running, I guess, probably for the past like six years competitively. I ran shorter stuff in high school. Um, I was like a 200 meter uh, sprinter. Um, I did jumping and stuff uh, in high school and basketball and things like that, but never running. I did cross country once when I was in seventh grade and thought I was going to die and said I was never going to do it again. (laughs) When did you get into Uh, ultra running? It was probably like my second, probably like my second year running. I think um, I started training for a half marathon when I first started, and then um, I just realized that I really liked the high mileage, and I really liked training. So during training for the half marathon, I kind of amped up, amped up my mileage to kind of subsequently start training for a, a full at the same time um, so that I could kind of just jump one, from one to the other. And then I did that, uh, my first full, and I think it was later that fall or early that spring, I don't know, somebody was telling me about a local... 50 mile road race that happens in Door County in Wisconsin here. And they said, Oh, they have a, a, a relay option, you know, for 50 miles, but then they have like these people who do it solo and, you know, but they're crazy. It's not whatever. And I was like, Oh, that's, I'm going to do that. So, <laughs> and then that I've run it the past five years. So, so are you pretty much just like an always in ultra shape, like always in like 50 mile shape? Mm, pro- yeah, probably, probably. Yeah. I mean, I take, I, sh- like the fall, like November is kind of like my month off. Okay. Uh, because I try to really, I do a, here in Wisconsin, you know, we're still crazy and we do, you know, winter ultras and things. So you can still get in some good 50Ks, 100Ks, 100 miles in the snow. And then, you know, there's always snowshoe racing and stuff. So 
Uh, the fall, yeah, like November is pretty much my month off because that 50-mile road race happens in late October. So mm-hmm. I kind of take a month off in November to kind of like run kind of when I feel like it, no schedule. I work as I folk, I kind of lift a lot more, um, but I could probably still run a 50 if, I mean. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah you totally could do that. So um, let me, l- tell me how you guys met. Like, tell me about how you guys became buddies. Uh-huh. Either what do you think, Nora? <laughs> yeah. It was, it, it's kind of funny. It was two years ago, at, right? The two years? It was. Yeah. At, at Minsuing, uh Retreat, which is in, like, near Duluth, right? Yeah, it's just, like, right near Superior, Wisconsin. Yeah. And it yeah. was a camp. It was a, a running retreat that Kara Goucher was at. Um, she was, like, the the main person, and they had a bunch of people there. And it's funny because we really didn't talk. <laughs> at the camp not that much like until, I don't like, think a ton yeah no like the last day like I came into your room when Krista was there and you guys were like laughing like crazy and I don't <laughs> yes I don't remember I think I asked for your foam roller or something <laughs> you asked my it. foam roller but you scared the crap out of me do you remember that no you knocked on the door and I opened it and you weren't there and then you jumped out at me and screamed and I fell on the floor Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, who Who in the hell is this girl? She's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Yes. No. Oh. Okay, what I love about and then this we... right now is that I feel like you guys are talking about being at summer camp as like a teenager. Pretty much. I love yeah. that. Well, that's pretty much how we act. That's so fun. Yeah, and then, and then we've talked like all the time since then. And we've gone on running retreats together since then. Mm-hmm. Share beds. We oh. share beds. We snuggle. Tell yes. me about the retreats. Tell me what's so special about these retreats that you guys go on. Your turn. Okay. Well, I what I love about them is it's just a really nice way to step out of your life and to be completely immersed in paying attention to yourself, paying attention and learning about other women who have similar life experiences or not, and just learning about their story and their background um, and really just kind of re-engaging with what makes you whole as a, as a person, wife, mom, and runner. I just think it's a really special opportunity. And I always come away feeling so happy and lucky and refreshed. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely, there's not many times, especially as, you know, a wife, a parent, you know, even just a a runner where you can just kind of shut it off and really focus on like why you're doing what you're doing or what's important to you and being around of, you know, a room full of 60 or 70 women who, you know, are doing the same thing and kind of doing this internal check-in. It's, it's definitely, I think we always leave more emotionally, like, <laughs> raw than, like, yeah. physically spent. You, like, leave and you're like, I'm so exhausted from just, like, thinking so much and crying and just, like, <laughs> reflecting so much. It's always, you know, you come back refreshed, but you're also exhausted. But it's great. Do you guys, like shut off your phones like do you do you kind of like try to unplug from from that when you go no <laughs> not, not Nora, do you ever shut off your phone oh god yeah I mean yes mostly yeah. because it's you know it dies a lot so. <laughs> 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 my battery life isn't very long so yeah it does die. but you know those the talks and stuff at, at the running camps you know yeah. when like podium retreat and it um we have the opportunity to do some um Bird camps through the Wazelle Running Group as well, some running retreats. Uh-huh. And the talks and stuff are so inspiring. I, You know, we're pretty engaged in, yeah, I think, generally in social media. But, but 
I will say that, you know, when you're in, when you're immersed in those, in those conversations and stuff, it's, we're not social media during, you know, no, during and those. Most, and most of the people that you care about are like in that room. Yeah. You around know, the table. Like, yeah. Yes. You're, you don't, I mean, you check in, you know, at your break time or, you know, at night and call your family. But other than that, I mean, you really are present. Well, yeah, I, I love that you're not trying to be super zen, like, oh, yes, we unplug from everything and we don't, you know what I mean? That's good. Um, oh, and that's not, that's no. for sure not me anyway. I'm a little high strung, <laughs> as you might imagine. So that's not really my style anyway. <laughs> you, ha- Jana's the kind of person that, like, this is what I get from you, that you get shit done and, like, you have a plan yeah. and you know what you're going to do and that's how it is. And that's just how it's going to be every yeah. time. <laughs> yep. Which is so funny because it's funny too, because me coaching you for three years, like I'm kind of the opposite. Like, not that I don't get shit done, but I'm a little bit more like, okay, well this is going to happen and I'll figure this out and this will come together. And you're kind of like, okay, this is what has to be done. Yeah. Like, like what was like maybe a couple months into our group I'm, or our coaching, I'm like, yeah, I don't really need to tell you whether or not I did right. the workout because if it's on my plan, I did the workout. Yes. So I don't it, know why you pay for it otherwise. That's <laughs> it's funny too because some people really need that like accountability with like giving me their log, but like you're, I know for sure that you'll just text me and be like, by the way, like this went really awesome or this was really sucky or whatever. You don't need to like give me all the details, which is like that works for you and that's great. No, ha- no hand holding. Just really quick for everybody listening, um, Jana is so graciously doing this on vacation with her family. So if you do hear some background chatter, it's no big deal at all. But um, I think you're, I think it's it's her kids and not mine. So don't blame me. Okay, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> yes, and I'm in a resort, so there are some people walking by. Yeah, too, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But I just want everybody to know that, and I want everybody to know how awesome you are for actually doing this while you're on vacation. Like that's pretty. Oh, you're so funny. I feel like most people would be like, um, sorry, I'm going to be on vacation. We'll have to revisit this when I get back. So, okay, let's talk about No, the- I'll take the break. You'll take the break from the family. So let's talk about the 100 miler. Nora, how many 100 milers have you done? Uh, that was my second. Okay, so I want to just kind of like give everybody a peek into the weekend, like for the runner and also the crew member. Because, you know, Jana, you ran the last 30 miles with Nora, right? I did, yep. It was super fun. So Nora... Let's hear, like, a rundown of the experience, if you can at all possibly do that. Uh, Yeah, I'll try. So to give (laughs) a little context, so we drove from Wisconsin to Vermont, and we camped, tent camped. Tent camped. uh, A a week before. So it was myself, my husband, my 13-year-old daughter, and our dog. Uh, And it rained, like, two days, not, like, all day, pouring rain. So, you know, that kind of... You're also in Vermont where there is no, well, in the section of Vermont where there's not really any cell service or really any kind of service at all. So um, I finished a book while I was out there, so that was good. But, uh, (laughs) you know, knowing going in, it's a very unique race where it's all on private land. So you don't get a map ahead of time and you don't even get a map at any time during the race um, because they only open it up for that weekend for the race. Um, and so you can't pre-run the course. You can't look at it. Like you're just left with an elevation profile and here you go. So, you know, that's a little bit unique, which I kind of like, I, I hardly ever pre-run courses. I like to be surprised on um, what's coming up because I feel like I can get too much in my head saying, Oh, this hill's coming up or this mm-hmm. is coming, you know, and I can just, you know, worry too much about it. Um, so 
you know, going in and knowing that it was basically just going to be up and down the entire time. Um, you still don't really know what that means because in Wisconsin, up and down the entire time is like, oh, you climb for like two minutes and you go down for two minutes. It's not anything crazy. Well, it was a little bit more crazy there just because it's <laughs> a lot, a lot just steep, steep climbing and very steep descents. I mean, the descents are just so steep you can't even walk down them sometimes because the gravity is just pulling yourself, you know, down or you just need, you have to run. So, um, I started out great. I felt really good. It was a nice, you know, chill morning. It wasn't that hot or humid and we knew that it was going to be overcast. So that was pretty exciting. Uh, we were prepared for the heat. Uh, but, um, I, I felt really good. I got into the first aid station, uh, much faster. My crew was not there at the first aid station. I beat them there. I was, Oh my gosh. Yeah. I was about what mile an hour. Uh, it's like, tw- um, like 21. Okay. So I got there about an hour earlier than I anticipated. Wow. I had told my husband going in, I said, you know, it's going to be the first part. You know, I initially thought I'd be there about 845-ish. And I was like, ah, I think I might get there by 8. You know, I'm going to be like, I'm I'm going to be excited. I'm just, you know, I tend to go out fast. It's just how it goes. <laughs> and then they were planning on meeting up with Lori and Gianna uh, early in the morning. So they didn't have to be at the start. So they didn't have to be up super early, especially because Gianna's going to be running. Um, so they planned to try to meet a little bit early and I kind of waited around for about 10 minutes at the first aid station. And I was like, well, okay, I'm just going to pack my big Newtons loose in my pack, <laughs> which Jana really loved. So dirty. Yeah. <laughs> were, were you sad? Like, were you like, oh man, cause I mean, that's gotta be like high points of the race, like getting to see your people. Yeah. I mean, of course I was bummed cause it would be in the first part of the day where I would have seen Lori and Jana. Um, so yeah, I mean. I was bummed, but I was like, I'm not going to fucking wait around. Like, I got shit to do. <laughs> right. I got miles. To, like, they'll see me. At- <laughs> I have 80 more miles to run. Right. Like, they'll see me at the next one. And it was only, like, nine miles to the next one. So, I knew I could make it. And plus, this race had aid stations almost every, like, three to four miles. Like, there was 25 different wow. aid stations. Wow. There was only eight aid stations that your crew could get to. Mm-hmm. Um, like, big ones. But there was other ones, you know in between. So I could have, I would have been fine. Um, but I had seen a couple and they were kind of looking at me and I was like, okay, if you see a guy with two women and a teenager, like teenage girl, tell him 56, you know, it was went. And I'm like, I'm gonna go to the bathroom first. And then I came out of the bathroom and loading up my pack and here they come running. So they caught me right at the end as I was about to leave. So I felt fine, you know, going, I felt really good. The day was going, you know, getting there, but then it started to get hot at about so hot. (laughs) At like 8.30 in the morning, I'm saying. <laughs> it like felt hot already. When it really probably wasn't too bad, but it just felt super hot. It had ice ice bandanas and uh, uh, just cooling down with ice as, as much as you could. Uh, taking in a bunch of water. and um, I had a knee thing going in that really had been bothering me the past. I was really worried about it the past like two months going in. Thinking that it could be sort of my downfall. Basically what happens is I have a really short patella tendon on my right knee um and training as much as I train and let's just be real we don't all stretch as much as we should stretch (laughs) and my quads get really tight so when my quads get really tight it pulls on that tendon um and kind of my kneecap gets out of place um and also my IT band on that side like right by the knee can get a little irritated and 
And then it just sort of throws off the opposite SI joint, and then I can't fire my glutes. So I was kind of worried about the climbing, actually. Um, but the climbing was fine at probably a mile, maybe 50, I think. I can't really remember. My knee started, was hurting. Uh, the downhill was really hard because you're just pounding and you're holding on and you're just like breaking and it just really, really affected my knee. And I was, you know, it really was starting to get me down because I was really on pace to go sub 22, which was my A goal. And I, you know, when one of those goals sort of fall off, you kind of become a baby about it. I feel like, you know, you just kind of, and I, you know, I'm like, I'm not going to hit it. I'm not going to hit it. And I was being really stubborn about not taking any sort of Advil or Tylenol. Because I, you know, I was afraid it was going to upset my stomach, mm. which it never has in the past. But when you're running that long, you know, your digestive system sort of becomes the last priority and you end up eating like liquid food <laughs> at, at some point. And so I was kind of worried about that. But then Jana made me double down on Advil and Tylenol. So I did. <laughs> She's like, we're going to take it every two hours. And Lori was like, no, 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 no. You're not going to do that. But doubling up is fine. <laughs> This is what uh, she was there for. Well, yeah, exactly. And I did biofreeze and we rolled it out. And so that helped, you know, dull that. The bottoms of my feet got a little hard, but we got past, we got past most of that. I had a, I had probably two down, you know, tough moments where it's never like I'm going to quit it or I'm not going to do this. It was like, just let me sit here for an hour and be a baby and then I can go on. I didn't sit there for an hour. It was probably like 15 minutes, but. Jana was like, come on, I want to run. So like, get your ass out of the chair. Like at like mile 60, I'm like, you have to start running because otherwise I'm never going to be able to run. So let's go. I I want to run. Hurry up. (laughs) Like I'm freaking out. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Because let me, so if you did the last 30, what time did you jump in and start running with her? Um, like seven, seven 30 PM. Yeah. 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 Seven 30 PM. Okay. And by that time you've been watching all day. So your adrenaline is crazy. And you're probably yeah. kind of like, I mean, on a totally different level, obviously, than Nora. You're probably tired from chasing her around all day, right? Oh, she was not tired. Don't even. I, no. <laughs> I was like, after like three hours of running and her like saying hi to everybody, like she knows everybody. I was like, you need to tell them that you're the pacer because they are going to hate you. Right. Like, <laughs> you were way too perky for that. Why is this woman no, like, w- so happy? Yeah. I was pretty pumped. I w- I think I was like smiling the whole time like an idiot. So yeah, there was at one point, you know, when we really after I got some more food and because it, it got to the point where every the thing is with most aid stations for ultras and things like that, like they they pack it full of sugar and they uh-huh. pack it full of like things like that. And so everything is sweet and I don't eat sugar in my daily diet. So when I, you know, I mean, I, I drink a lot of coffee. That's different, but I don't eat sweet things or sugar. So it, it was really hard. And by the time I don't mile 50 ish, maybe like I was like, I'm done. I can't eat any, I can't eat anything sweet. I can't. And so that was really hard, hard to find. Um, but then we got to the point where I got some food in me and it was night and it was dark and there's no light pollution. You know, you're in the middle of like a a forest, like there's, there's nothing around. And I was like, shut off your headlamp. You know? And we just like walked and just like looked at the stars. I mean, you could see the whole Milky way. You could just, that's so cool. It, it was amazing. Jana kept saying, like, there's our little dipper. It's following us around. There it is. There's the dipper. There's our friend. <laughs> so tell me this, though. So um, I'm a scary, scaredy cat. And so 
had Jana not been with you, would you have been like kind of nervous out there in the woods? Cause you're probably so separated from everybody else that you're alone a lot, right? Without a pacer. Actually with this race, which was kind of weird with, with most of the people that I was running with, cause you kind of like make friends mm-hmm. as you're running. Mm-hmm. Um, all of, through like mile 30, there was groups around and all of us are saying like, you would have expected it to thin out at this point, And it really hadn't. I mean, I don't think I was alone running for very long, really. Um, which is unlike most ultras. A lot of times you are by yourself. But I would have been fine. I don't get scared. Like, that stuff does not bother me. I, I feel like that's a common trait with ultra runners. You either have that in you or you don't. Like, I would be such a big baby. Like, so terrified of A, getting lost. But B, once it got dark, like animals or just like weirdos in the woods not that that you know I don't know but I feel like you ultra runners have this thing about you where you don't get scared about stuff like that yeah no and plus a lot of it was on road so it was open um there was only a few trail sections but it's not I no, I was never scared yeah um and then tell me about this though because how well was the how well is the uh course mapped because or marked because I always say, I want to do a 50. I want to do, you know, I want to do this at some point. But, like, I want to make my husband do it with me because I'm scared I'll get lost. Yeah. So, I I have, uh, if you know me in person, um, one of my largest fears is getting lost. Okay. I really, especially, like, while driving, um, I will not get off on an exit ramp if I don't know I can get back on. Mm. <laughs> it's very, it's, I, and I second guess myself while running a lot, especially trail running. I second guess my map, even though I know I'm going the right way, I'll stop and check a map. Um, I'm, I have actually a very good sense of direction, but I feel like I get, I, I get hyper paranoid about it, I guess. Um, this race was marked very, very well. They had yellow plates, like yellow plastic plates that were like the 12 inch plates. And they had big black arrows on them pointing you in the direction. And at turns, it would have two or three arrows. And then they would have these like little six or nine inch plates that had a big C on them. And they were like your confidence plates. Um, knowing. So like after you turned, they would have one of these plates saying like, yes, you are on the right direction. And I did ask Jana at dark. I was like, are you watching for the plates? Are you watching for the plate? <laughs> have you seen a confidence plate? And like, every time I said that we would look up and there would be one right there. So um, every single time, yeah. every time. And also mm. in the night too, they had uh, glow sticks in the trees. fairy lights. Fairy yes, lights. Nice. In yeah, the I called them fairy lights. Yes, because so they, they were beautiful. <laughs> She's like, look at the twinkly fairy lights. They're beautiful. It was awesome. It was like magic. It was like it was like running through a Disney movie. Did you ever want to punch Jana in the face? Yes. Uh, there was only one time. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me. I'm pretty sure that. I was like, I pray. We were getting close to the end, I think. Everything was like two or three miles. Like, we were getting there. And she says, and I was like, stop it or shut up. Or I said something. <laughs> and I, was like, um, I mean, it, it's great because that's exactly what you need. Uh-huh. Like, you need somebody who is the opposite of you because sometimes you just get in your head and you need somebody who's going to push you, like, and make you do the things that you don't feel like doing. So, I mean, it was perfect. It was exactly what I needed. I also needed to just say, like, shut up. Well, <laughs> yeah, I'm picturing, like, I feel like I would need that to be a friend and not a husband because I think I would actually murder my husband, you know? Oh, you could never do it with your spouse. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me, the difference between your first hundred and your second, was there a different kind of an emotional experience when you finish? Yeah, so my first hundred miler was Leadville. Okay. Uh, which is quite a different <laughs> landscape. You know, uh, 
I did have a breakdown halfway through at Leadville where I was really hard on myself. I didn't, it wasn't that I was ever going to quit. I just, I was unsure if I would make it in the cutoff, in the cutoff time. Um, because the last climb that I had just come down from was so hard. Um, and my pacer for that, um, she did the last 50 miles with me and she was in a lot of pain and she didn't tell me until afterwards, but she actually tore her calf muscle during that run. So that was pretty emotional. She started crying before me, which is strange because she's very similar to Gianna and the fact that like, it takes a lot to make him cry. Uh-huh. So meanwhile, <laughs> myself, like I'm crying in the speech. She's like, are you crying? And I was like, shut the fuck up. Like, of course I'm crying. I cry at everything. <laughs> was that like, the, this race? Gianna asked you if you were crying? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like in the speech when they're just like talking about, you know, like pre-race meeting, you know. Oh, before. She's already crying. Before I'm like, are hand. you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah. Beforehand. Did you, um, did you cry at the finish of this one? You know, I didn't because I was like, Jana, you better cry at the end. <laughs> <laughs> did she? Did you cry? No. No. I, don't, no. <laughs> I was because, so happy. Yeah, we didn't We didn't cry. Like, Lori almost cried, like, at one point, like, halfway. I was like, we, I wasn't even halfway yet. And she's like, I'm so proud of you. You're going to be. I was like, you can't cry yet. Like, we're not done. Like, crying is saved for the end. Like, you can't do it until the end. <laughs> And there was a couple times where I got choked up where you, if you like, just kind of let your mind slip mm-hmm. away for a second, thinking, envisioning the finish line and everything that you did. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I haven't, I had, I didn't cry. I cried a little bit thinking about, you know, kind of in the car, just like a little retrospect stuff, which is strange because I didn't cry at Leadville either. Really. I got really emotional getting, thinking about getting to the finish. And then when I got to the finish, I cried, you know, not really a whole lot because then you're like celebrating, you know, you're like, mm-hmm. I did this I'm thing. Done. Right. And then when we finished here at Vermont, we were going so fast that our crew did not anticipate us to be there. So like they weren't there uh, when we finished. So, so you know, you kind of we're looking for them. How did you do Leadville for your first hundred? Because don't you have to qualify for Leadville? You don't. Oh, oh, you just enter a lottery. Is that it? Yeah, you enter a lottery. And I think you have to do a 50 mile race, uh, but you don't have to do a hundred mile to get into that. Okay. And surprisingly they let in about 750 athletes to Ron Leadville and about 400 of them are first timers. So, wow. Wow. Okay. and they give yeah. you like a pretty hard cutoff to at the halfway point, don't they? Yeah. It's pretty aggressive. Yeah. I think it's like 6 PM. Okay. You have to get there. Yeah. So that's a 12 hour, it's a 12 hour cutoff, uh, to get to the halfway point. And I think I, you know, I got to the halfway point in this one in under nine hours, I think. Okay, so in this experience, Jana, did it make you want to yes. do... I mean, the crazy thing about this is, like, you did your furthest distance ever running this way. I did. So, yeah, you did an ultra. I mean, it maybe it wasn't official, but she I did told an ultra. Her, <laughs> I told her that she should just run around for a little bit and get one more mile, and then she could say she did a 50K. And yeah. And then she'd be an ultra. Totally. Mm, that's funny. <laughs> um, you know, I've never been so uninspired to do a 100 ever. <laughs> um but I could definitely see myself for fun doing a 50. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, yeah. no, no, but a trail 50, not a road race 50. Cause I would have too many expectations around uh-huh. pace, but I could definitely see myself doing a, doing a 50. And you say trail and expectations because for a trail, you're like, well, I'm going to hike up this hill and time's not really a thing. Well, it's, it's just so different. Like yeah. on the road, you can predict what your pace should be and in the trail you just have to kind of give that up a little bit and Mm -hmm. just surrender to the idea that there's going to be some uncomfortable terrain and that you can just take it easy if you want to 
the trail atmosphere is a lot more relaxed. I don't know. I think I, I would definitely do it in that circle rather than the road circle. So. And was it yeah. was it hard for you? Like, I mean, that's a really big distance to cover. And obviously you're going at probably a slower pace because Nora's on like mile 70 of 100. But like, yeah, how hard was that for you to finish the 30 even? No, you know what? It wasn't. And, you know, and I've said this a couple of times since running with Nora, but it's so much fun to run when it's not about you. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't. I never once thought about the mileage. I never once thought about the pace. I never once thought about myself. I mean, you're just literally thinking about the other person and that's such a freeing way to run. You know, I just, it never, it never occurred to me that it was a long distance and, you know, when you're running it, it never occurred to me that, you know, we're on your feet for however long. It just was like, okay, we're going to come up to this next aid station and what should we get Nora and let's keep Nora motivated and keep her moving forward. That is such a good way to put things in. Honestly, like if that doesn't encourage people to go out and support a friend in a race to distance that they've never done before, like go support your friend in a half marathon or whatever, like I don't know what will, you know? Yeah, and it's really cool about these races, especially for like Wasatch that's coming up too. Like there's a lot of people who come in who don't have a pacer mm. and you can kind of say that and there's people there who are willing to pace okay. like a complete stranger okay. and they just like pair you up. We came across a guy who was running – and he was like speeding past us. And we're like, whoa, dude, like, <laughs> yeah, like mile seven, like 80 or, and we're like, what's up? And he's like, oh, I'm just a pacer. Like my, my athlete dropped out, you know, at mile 70. So I'm just running the end of the course and just hopping in with people who look oh. like they need some extra help and some encouragement. And we're like, what? That's awesome. That's he's amazing. like, he had already paced like three different people at that point. Yeah. And the thing is this race also had, um, what's called a solo category. So they were doing it with no crew and no pacer. They were completely reliant on themselves and like their drop bags. So because there is so many aid stations, you could definitely do that. So there were some people out there who were doing that on purpose and they get a different, you know, they were in a different like award. So are they like, if that guy comes up on them, are they like, sorry, dude, but like, I'm doing a solo. I don't want you next to me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you could like talk and somebody, you know, talk to somebody, but yeah, yeah they wouldn't be. They wouldn't you want know. you to hang with them for like 20 miles. Well, that's really interesting. Right. It's funny because my, so my husband's done a couple fifties and he's done hundred K and I think eventually at some point, not when our kids are as little as they are, he wants to do a hundred, but he's like super stubborn about it. Like he is with everything. And he's like, well, if I do a hundred, I'm not, I don't want a crew. I'm doing it by myself. And I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> of course. Jana knows Glenn. Like, of course you like have that mentality for some reason. Such a dude. Yeah. Um, I think it's, I think for him too, I think it's part of like, he wants, he likes the idea of saying he was alone in the woods like that in that sense for a hundred miles and like did it, you know, mentally by himself, I guess. I don't know. You spend a lot of time in your head. That's for sure. And Vermont, you don't, you're not allowed any sort of no music at all. Like you can't have an outward speaker. You can't have an iPod. You can't have anything. So you are in your own head. I think I read on your blog. Do you prefer road over trail ultras yeah kind of I do like this was sort of like a dream ultra because it was all road we like you would get to the trail section and it was it was really hard because it was very it's very woodsy so there's a lot of leaves and they look a lot like like rocks and it's really it's kind of hard to see at night with your your headlamp bouncing and there was a lot of mud and it's just like you couldn't wait to get on the road Jana just every time was like where's the road where is the road (laughs) (laughs) but it was so muddy it It was was so muddy it was really it was like lose your shoes muddy oh I lost my shoe at one point Mm -hmm. it was crazy 
But I, I mean, the I trails do. were no joke. I like the trails a lot, but I mean, fun fact is, you know, I got into Leadville last, I think they pick in January and I had, I was not a trail. I did not run on the trails at all, mm. you know? So it was like, oh, I probably should start running on some trails if I'm going to run a trail hundred miler. So, I mean, I really <laughs> have only been running trails like year and a half. Oh, <laughs> so, wow. And that's a big difference. Oh yeah. Well, like, like Jenna was saying, you know, your pace is completely different. You have to learn, you know, that there's so much more walking to trail running than you anticipate. Totally. You know, there's so much power hiking and your fueling is different and you're using different muscles and, you know, all of that stuff. So for people that don't know a lot about hundred milers, you finished in 23 hours and Mm -hmm. like, that's, that's a really respectable time. Like that's fast. Oh yeah. I mean, sub 24 in any hundred miler is, is legit. Yeah. I mean, And I was, I was really hoping to do sub 22 and I was really on pace. If my knee hadn't bothered me, I probably could have eked it out. Um, but yeah, I mean, and my finishing time for Leadville was like 28. Well, that's, yeah. I mean, that's different, but I was also on pace to do sub 25 there. Um, but, but I also have this, I run, um, I, I got a lot of flack for it on this race because I probably should (laughs) have. Done it a little bit better, but I run in like I run in like the Adidas uh, out of zero boost, you know. Oh, so gosh. there's no padding yeah. at all, you know. Uh-huh. So it's like the, a, a race flat, basically. Why do you um, run in those? I really like how light they are and the responsiveness of them. Uh-huh. And I just I used to run in uh, the Mizuno Hitagami, uh-huh. uh, but of course they change their they change everything year after year and the new model just did not work for me. So I found these and I was like, okay, Jana <laughs> made fun of me when she came to visit and we ran for 20. She's like, you have like six pairs of like bright orange shoes here. And I was like, Oh no, no, no. That's just like the ones in rotation. Like just, <laughs> there's a, there's a lot because you go through a pair almost every month. So when you're running that much and I just really like them, but it was sort of a downfall. So like the bottoms of my feet start to get, you know, just from the impact and pounding, they mm-hmm. just start to get sore and that can really Im- impair you. And that's what happened at Leadville because I wore the same shoe at Leadville. Um, but I was smart and I changed into the Hoka Tracer later on at mile like 70, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. When I got Gianna and that helped, it didn't fix it, but it definitely helped it from getting worse. And I was still able to run when I got to Leadville, like I wasn't able to run mm. the last 20 some miles. I mean, power I was so painful. Oh gosh. And you yeah. still finished in twenty five or twenty eight hours. Yeah, that's what that additional three hours was then, wasn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just power hiking and not being able to run because then you're off the at that point you're already off the mountain. Yeah, you know you're basically you're running around the lake. I mean, yeah, you're already down. So I could have, yeah, if if that hadn't been the problem. So now I'm I'm definitely looking at switching the shoe, but a cushier shoe, please. A cushier <laughs> shoe, but that's just. You know, we all know how hard it is to find a shoe that you like. So, oh, yeah. and Hoka's don't, and I was really worried about the Hoka's because I started running in them and my IT band started flaring up. That's when the IT band started. So I can't continue to use that as a regular shoe. Are you running in Hoka's, Jana? I am. I'm in the Clifton twos. I didn't like the threes, so I bought up all the twos I could find. <laughs> Do you like and now I'm on my last pair and I'm praying that the fours are decent. Are you still loving them? Like, is that your shoe? You don't rotate out with anything else? I do. I love them. You know, I'm trying some New Balance 1080s and 
I really feel like they make my feet hurt, mm-hmm. like high arch kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know. I just, I can't wrap, wrap my head around using them consistently. Yeah. I can't, but I'm in them probably know. once a week. Hello, everybody. I have to do a brief interruption to talk about Kind Snacks one last time on this episode. You maybe see them at the grocery, at the coffee shop, or the gym. You pay $2 a bar. You can get them for $1 each. For just $10, you can get a box of 10 Kind Snacks inside, including free shipping, delivered to your door. That's a $20 value when you order the sample box. I tried the sample box. I'm loving it. You guys can go to kindsnacks.com slash another to get your sample box for $10. You will thank me when the mail person shows up at your door with a box of 10 Kind Bars. And what you will love about Kind Snacks is they are made in the United States. They're made with ingredients you can recognize and pronounce. And they use high-quality, nutrient-dense whole ingredients like whole nuts and whole grains. The company also was founded as a not only for profit company in 2004, and they're always striving to balance commercial success with social impact. Kind Foundation supports causes all over the world. I'm loving the Kind Snacks. I'm loving the people behind Kind Snacks. You guys go to kindsnacks.com slash another to check out that sample box. When you support Kind Snacks, you support this podcast. And for that, I thank you. Let's continue my conversation with Jana and Nora. Okay, so I have a couple questions from, I have a Facebook group for the podcast. Jana, I think you saw the post. And I have a couple questions from listeners about the race and everything. And one from Sam Gardner, she says, she'd love to hear about what training looks like for your 100-mile race and kind of what your progression. Well, and we kind of covered this a little bit, your progression of races, like getting to the 100, like it didn't take you lots of years to get to this point. Um, but what do your weeks look like? Like how many miles a week do you peak out on and stuff like that? For this cycle, I peaked out at 85 per week. I really was trying to get in some consecutive hundred mile weeks. Uh, but it just didn't fit in with my plans and with my IT band, I kind of had to take some time off, but I mean, a lot of people think that you have to run 50 miles or 60 miles or something like that when you're training for a hundred you don't, you just do a lot of back-to-backs. Mm-hmm. So you would do like three days of back-to-backs, like double days, you know? So on Thursday you would do maybe a total of 15 miles and you might do it at one time or you can split it up. And then Friday would be, you know, like 20 in the morning and like 10 at night. And then Saturday would be, you know, 10 in the morning, 20 at night or something like that. So that you're getting a good mileage, but you're, you know, you're, you're splitting it up and not running anything, you know, super crazy and just doing, making sure that you're getting in specialized training. So if you're going to be running on, single track technical, that's what kind of trails you should be running on getting ready. If you're going to be running on road, you know, that's what you should be doing. So the specialized training is really good and the really boring, if you live in a place like Wisconsin and you don't have, uh, places to train, um, getting on a treadmill and just climbing Mm -hmm. for like an hour or two Mm -hmm. with like a weighted vest is the way to do it. Sucks, but (laughs) gotta. Do you do any sort of speed training at all because I mean you you do I mean obviously you're doing lots of hiking and stuff but like you're out there like not just out there to finish like you have a time in mind or a speed or a place or whatever do you do any kind of speed stuff to to get there I do so I I um I go to a weekly track speed workout uh Wednesday mornings okay um and it's usually like seven miles of like track work which is a little humbling because most of the people are like super you know like half Ironman like triathletes and stuff so there's 
pretty fast, but it's good. It gets my legs moving, but I usually only do one or two. And sometimes with running with my clients, um, they really like when we do a speed workout together. So sometimes it'll be a speed workout that way. Um, but I only do it, you know, once a week. And then sometimes I'll add in some like mid tempo stuff, like in a long run. But I mean, that's, I mean, for training for a hundred miler, like that's a good amount of speed work. It is. Yeah. Probably more than I need, but yeah, I like, well, I like yeah, it. Yeah. If you like it and that's fun. Um, and then Jana, so when Jana told me she was going to do this with you, I very gently said, okay, well, Glenn's going to coach you through that because he's the ultra guy. <laughs> <laughs> and then like, what did you say? Like six weeks in, you're like, okay, I'm ready to come back to you or something. Right. I'm like, oh, let's, let's start coaching. Let's you just you and me again, please. I miss it so much. Um, <laughs> yeah. But tell me this, because I don't you know, I don't even know so much what what Glenn was doing. You, What did he what did he have you do? What did you change about what you were doing? Just easy pace stuff. And um, like I would do a long like maybe like a 16 long on um, Sunday and come back and run 10 or 12 on or I'm sorry, Saturday, and then come back and run 10 or 12 on like a Sunday. Um, but just generally kept my miles and not, not even, uh, not even as big as peak miles for marathon. I think my peak mile for this was mileage was 50. Okay. So it was, I mean, it felt really chill cause it wasn't hard effort. It was mm-hmm. just easy miles. And yeah, that's so fun. You didn't have a time goal. Like your goal was to support Nora and, um, yep. that, and that seems pretty on point if Nora's peaking out at 85 for to do the whole hundred. Well, that, I guess that's true. I never thought of that. Yeah, that's true. Okay, now another question um, comes from Ellen. She wants to know about bird strike. Well, what about bird strike? <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's the first that was all 44 female... hours. Yeah, so, I, you know, and I kind of followed along. Like, I know Jana was tweeting about it and stuff, but I didn't. And, and my friend Sarah um, from Indy here, she, uh, she was on the team. So just kind of tell me a little bit about what that was and what you guys were doing. Yeah. So Gina talked about earlier about being a part of it and like your adrenaline just being like high. So that's like how it was for like two and a half days straight. You're just on high alert. Um, and especially for myself, because I'm very competitive. Okay. But what is it? Tell, tell everybody what you guys were doing. Oh, so we ran uh, 340 miles okay. uh, from <laughs> the Santa Monica uh, Pier boulevard there to the welcome to las vegas sign okay uh through death valley um as a relay team of six women um one woman dropped out pretty early so we actually ran majority of it with five which nobody has ever done and no all-female team has ever attempted it wow so as part of um, a team for wazelle we attempted it there was two other all-female teams that were also attempting it the same at the same time um and I went in saying that we are going to win this, you know, <laughs> like there's no option. Like that's the goal. We should, we are, we're going to win. And we did. So we said it and it was 44 hours, 27 minutes and 11 seconds, I think. What did that end up so, being average pace per mile? Oh, it was, it was under an eight minute mile, I think. Wow. Dang. I mean, because, because you're running fast. I mean, all of us were, we were running about 10 K's at a time. Okay. So, you know, whoa, <clears> that's a quick turnover. Well, so basically we split it up into two different teams, I guess. So there were six people to start and there was three of us who would run a six mile segment twice. Okay. Um, so it would go one, two, three, one, two, three, and then four, five, and six were running about 12 mile segments because they wanted to do the longer miles. 
they felt like they could keep that pace up longer. They just wanted to do that. So everybody was running this 12 miles, but either in two different times or just one. So that's how it started. And then once we lost a runner and we got into Death Valley, it just kind of became like one, two, three, four, five. And, you know, we tried to keep up with that six mile segment. Uh, but we, uh, once we got into Death Valley, that all just kind of fell apart. <laughs> Man, that's just like, that's, did you sleep at all? I probably got three hours of like good sleep. I mean, I rested and like laid down, but I, like I said, being so competitive and so amped, like I couldn't shut it off. Mm. I, I couldn't shut it off until we were done. How much did so, you guys beat the second place female team by, or did they even finish the other teams? They did. They did finish. I believe we be- beat them by like three or four hours. Oh, wow. And that was a tricky part about this is like they would send out a live update every hour with the standings of where everybody was, but you had no idea how close you were to the next person. So I did suggest at one point before we got to Death Valley that they do some recon <laughs> and go back and check and see how far ahead we were. <laughs> so if you had people we, drive back and check? Yeah, we were about 18 miles ahead. So okay, there was no way. Good. And we were going into Death Valley. Like there was no way they were going to catch Right. Us. Like that. Yeah. Something bad. Something would have had to have happened. Yeah. Um, but you're still running like they're on your tail. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. So, but the whole the whole event, like I don't, I had never even heard of the event that you guys were doing until, you know, I saw all these people from Wazel tweeting about the bird strike. Like, is this something that's done every year? So it's sort of like a, it's. I feel like it's kind of like one of those like underground things that you just sort of like stumble upon because okay. there really isn't a lot of information about it. That probably all the information that you see now at this point is because of bird strike. Okay. Um, but before that, if you tried to like Google or search the speed project, you couldn't find it. Like there wasn't anything that said like what this was or what it, you know, where it was, anything. You just had like one video from the people who did it originally. So this was the third year that they did it. I believe the first year they did it and was in 2013. And the people who started it basically was like, hey, we want to set an FKT. Nobody's ever run from LA to Vegas. So let's do it. And they had a team of six, um, a co-ed team. And then last year they did it and they had seven teams that entered. And this year they had 20 teams that entered. And it's unsanctioned. They don't have any permits, you know, to, to do this. If a cop, they told you if a mm. cop stops you, you just tell them that you're out for a run. Mm-hmm. Okay. And like you just so, have to, you just so have to obey traffic lights and stuff. And yeah. And they give you like a walking roads for you. Oh, no, no, no. Like yourself supported all of the way. There's no course markings, nothing. Like they give you a map and they say, this is the route that you can go. You can split it up into any way. Like you could have some super fast people who can run, you know, a six minute mile for 20 miles and you could have somebody run, you know, a 20 mile segment if you wanted. Nobody did that. But I mean, you could break it up. The whole joke of the whole thing was there were no rules, just opportunities. Mm -hmm. So that's so good. I love that. Um, okay. So one more ultra question, and then I want to move on to another topic and we'll do our end of the podcast questions. Um, Crystal wants to know, how do you incorporate strength training into your run schedule when you're training for like these big distances? And you guys can both answer this because I mean, Jana, you were training for a third, a 50 K an unofficial 50. Um, yeah, I have a strength coach who I see twice a week and he's a, a big fan of, Unknown fact also is I was a power lifter in high school. So I really really like, yeah, I really like heavy lifting. Um, I really enjoy it. Maybe in another life I would maybe, you know, do something with that, but I really enjoy it a lot. And so trying to find that balance of lifting heavy and still getting like mechanics done, I didn't focus a lot on some little stuff, which I probably in hindsight should have because of my knee. But now knowing 
what I know going into the next race, I, we can incorporate that. But yeah, I have a, I, I do strength at least two times a week. So Jana. Oh my God. The wrong person to ask. I do (laughs) as little as humanly possible. (laughs) <laughs> and and a good week I'll do one and mo- on most weeks I do none. It's, I'm the worst. It's hard, man. And I think some people need it more than others to to prevent injury and things like that. Like, you know, my husband doesn't really do any strength training. He never gets injured and he's happy and he's fine and his running's great, but like I need to do a little bit of strength to keep injury at bay, you know? Oh, and I'm always semi-injured. I've had like the same stupid semi-injury since like 2014. They just linger. And I just and I like PT for like two weeks really, really, really well and get it under control. And then I'll just not do anything for six months. Yeah. It's just dumb. I've got to have a better plan. It's hard. Uh, I know. When we were at the last retreat and we were doing an ab workout that was very, <laughs> a kind of soft ab workout. Janet's just like what? laying on her side. <laughs> I'm like, no, she this was... is not for me. She's like, mm, I'm not doing this. <laughs> Whenever I hear core workout or waist, I start to just like, just like whimper. (laughs) Like, no, I can't manage that. Which is so funny because you really like working hard. It's so funny. I do. (laughs) Not at that. It's funny too, because I always feel like as a runner, like I feel like I'm pretty tough and I can do some hard stuff. But man, if I go to like a a strength class, you know, like one of those classes at the gym where they're like doing stuff, I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to quit after like the first 10 reps because there's no way I'm holding on to this the whole time. And you really physically, when you walk into the class, you're, you probably, you feel like you're in better shape than most of the people because you're like, yeah, I can run 50 miles a week. And you know, it's funny. Oh yeah. Okay. So one thing I wanted to bring up and I texted Jana about this and, and got the okay from her this morning, but I was kind of reading up on your blog, Nora, before, I think it was like six this morning as I was feeding uh, <laughs> Russell, my, my youngest. And you guys both have, neither of you drink. You both made the decision like several years ago that that just wasn't something you wanted to do anymore. And I just want to kind of hear your, hear about that a little bit and your reasoning. Yeah. So, um, it's been, it was six years in April for me, um, and drug addiction and alcoholism runs pretty rampant on both sides of my family. So seeing, you know, having children and things like that, I kind of made the decision to stop drinking before I couldn't make the, before I felt it might get to that point where I couldn't make the decision. Mm. So, you know, we chose not to, my husband also does not drink, you know, we quit around the same time. Um, so that makes it a lot easier. Uh, it is, um, I had no relationship with my mother for a long time because she couldn't get, you know, her addiction under control. And I felt like it was a protection thing. And she actually just recently passed away from that. So it was, mm. it, surprisingly, it affects me a lot more than I thought it would. Um, not being in contact with her for a while, but it was the right decision at the time. And, you know, I don't have any regrets about it, but I know that it was the right decision decision for me to not drink. Like, I don't miss it. I don't, you know, think about it. Um, it was a little weird at first because I do live in Wisconsin and there's such a, a culture around drinking here. <clears throat> and, um, but I know that it's a good example for the kids and, you know, we're pretty open with them about it. And, some people kind of give you a little flack, but I can always like blame it on, you know, I don't really go into it. I don't tell people like, oh, I don't drink because of this. You know, it's like, mm, I just don't drink. And a lot of times people just assume because it's my training mm-hmm. and, you know, I'm, I'm training so hard and I just let them think that that's fine. <laughs> I don't, 
I don't need to, you know, go into a life story every time somebody asks, well, why don't you drink? Right. Well, I just don't. It's not, you know, it's not a big, I don't feel like it's something that defines me really, I guess. Um, I feel like once the decision was made, the decision was made and that's just how it is. Well, and it's interesting. I mean, it sounds like you made that decision before anything got out of control, but you knew that it maybe would have gone there. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I mean, it, maybe it could have, it never had, you know, I started drinking early. I mean, I, I mean, I was drinking by like 13. So, I mean, I grew up in a small town. So, I mean, it, yeah, it definitely, it definitely could have. I mean, it definitely might not have either. Uh, My brother and sister and I both, all of us have, you know, come out really well and none of us have an addiction problem. So maybe it skipped us, who knows, but I just didn't want to take that chance. And, you know, it wasn't, worth it. And especially because my daughter, you know, her father's an alcoholic. So, you know, you just have to try to do what's best for, for them. And subsequently, you know, it, I stopped drinking right at the time when I started really getting into running. Mm. So I feel like it's kind of a common thing with ultra runners. Um, a, a lot of ultra runners that I've met are recovering, you know, alcoholics or drug addicts. And, um, it seems that running kind of sometimes replaces whatever that void was being filled with, with that, the running kind of yeah, replaces that. And I have a few clients who, um, are early into the, are into a program or newly sober or something like that. And they chose me because of the, that reason. Interesting. Um, and now Jana, what's, what's your story? Because, you know, it's interesting. I, I have my friend Rachel on the show who has been sober for, Ooh, I think 18 years or something like that. Like a long time since she was maybe 19. And, um, I didn't know about Jana that Jana didn't drink and you kind of, you made a, a po you posted on, on the uh, episode about it. And I was just like, Oh, well that's why you drank an old duels when you came to run Indy <laughs> women's. Hopefully I didn't put any peer pressure on. I'm like, do you want to get a drink? No, not at all. You know, you know, what's so funny is that that was like one of Nora and I's biggest bonding moments at our first Minnesota <laughs> retreat is that I'm like, I'm sitting drinking an, an NA beer and Nora goes, oh my God, do you not drink? And I'm like, no, I don't drink. And she's like, let's go get an NA beer together. I'm like, let's, it was like a little party. <laughs> it was. Yeah, I know. So I'll be, so it's almost seven years now that I've not drank. Um, and for me, it's really just about wanting to show up for people in my life in a way that I'm comfortable. And I really felt like at some point after Nora, that all of our social activities revolved around cocktailing. Hmm. And I'm like, I don't want to be the person who has to have a cocktail in my hand to feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Like I, I just feel like that's a slippery slope and, um, you know, have a, always having to have a, you know, beer when I'm making dinner or doing something like that. It got to the point where I was like, you know, I just feel like for me, I'm a kind of person who goes hard at everything except for core and strength workouts. <laughs> um, and I'm like, I don't think that this would be a good path for me to go down. And I too, like Nora, have a significant amount of alcoholism on my, on my dad's side of the family. Um, so I was like, you know, let's just put a pin in this. And it was never something that I really thought about, you know, after that. And I will say, you know, you know, since then, you know, a lot of new like beer products and stuff have come out on the market and, you know, so friends are drinking like a new beer or something and are having like a sour beer or something that I haven't had. I'll have a 
sip of it. Or, you know, I've had like, you know, a hard cider, maybe like a half a one or here and there. I've had an, at bird camp, I had one, um, you know, it's just not something that, that I do in my daily life. And I don't know, I just don't put a lot of thought around it or give it much attention just because I don't know. I, I guess I don't have a really, really big formalized process around it. I just have just made the decision not to. And I think that it just has made me kind of a lighter, brighter person. Now, does your husband, Joe, does he drink? Oh, absolutely. Like we were at the liquor store yesterday picking up beer for our vacation. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I have to say with that, sometimes I feel like I could go days without having anything to drink, like, and not even, especially during the week when I'm just going through my routine. But the second my husband gets home and he like opens a beer, I'm like, Oh, I guess I'll have a beer too. You know? Yes. And that's what I felt like it was like, it was a routine and part of like a lifestyle. And I was like, yeah, I don't want that. Yeah. So I, that's why, I mean, that's why I cut that out for Joe. He can, he can really let it go. Like he was never the person who came home from work and cracked open a beer and mm-hmm. made dinner. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He would just really do it when he was out with friends. Whereas I would come home, you know, have a glass of wine or have a beer when I was making dinner, uh-huh. not five or six, but just do that. Right. And I was like, Oh man, maybe that's something I can cut out. So it, I did. It's interesting that it is so true. There's something about having a glass of wine while I make dinner. Like why, yes. do I, why do I want to do that? Like it's habitual almost like it feels good to drink yes. a glass of wine while I make dinner. And I think about that too. I'm like, Lindsay, you don't need to drink a glass of wine every time you make dinner. Like not that I make dinner that often, but when I do, I have to, <laughs> I feel like this is like what I pair it with, you know? Yes, I know. That's where I was. And so I was like, I, that's an easy thing for me to cut out. So we just did. Well, and I also think that having little kids, and you said, you know, this started happening. You mentioned Nora. Jana also has a daughter named Nora for anybody listening. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think also when we have kids and they're so little and they're so draining um, in your everyday life, you get them to bed or you're done with whatever for the day. And you're like, I just want a glass of wine. Like, because, you know, and why can't a cup of tea make me feel good too? That's relaxing, right? Right. I mean, I don't yeah. know. I think we just have so many social habits around mm-hmm. alcohol. Mm-hmm. And I was just really interested to see if you can remove yourself from that and still feel social. And I definitely do. I mean, I, I'm i not uncomfortable at parties. I'm not uncomfortable being around 15, you know, drunk people. You know, I'm I'm just not. So. And you feel really good in the morning. I've never, yeah. I mean, I will tell you that is the gift. Like not waking up hungover to kids who need breakfast. Oh my there gosh. There's so many times that I'm so thankful that I don't drink anymore. I'm like, oh my God, I could never imagine doing this workout hungover or doing this like long workout right. with that wine headache. Oh God. Like the worst. Is so there bad. anything worse than taking care of children hungover? Oh. No, no, there's nothing worse no. than that. <laughs> I mean, honestly, no. like there, nothing. I think that is the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. And I haven't done it often, but I've done it a few times. And you know, the older you get too, the harder those hangovers Mm -hmm. are. Okay. Well, I loved hearing about your experience with a hundred and, um, thank you for sharing both of you guys with the alcohol. I think, you know, I think in your blog post, everybody should read Nora's blog post on that. And it's kind of talks about fear a little bit. What's your blog? What's the, how do we get to your blog, Nora? Uh, you can reach it from my website, teambirdtraining.com. And then you can click on the blog from there. That's the easiest place probably to find it. 
Yeah, I just was kind of scrolling through and just everything you said in there was it really resonated with me. And I feel like think that other people will will get something from that as well. And, you know, it is drinking is such a social gosh, it is such a social thing. And it's just kind of like, oh, you're at a party. Why don't you have a drink in your hand? You know, so I think people like you guys stepping up and, and doing what you're doing um, will mean something to other people listening. Okay. So we always end with questions at the end that are just kind of fun, light, not always light, but mostly. Um, what's one thing professionally or personally you would like to do in life that you haven't done yet? You go first. I, I would like to jump back into the business world. Okay. So we'll see what that means. Um, I know we, I looked at this question beforehand and I still was like, oh, I don't, I don't know. Um, but I guess maybe trying to take, you know, the business to another level. I don't know what that means. Um, your coaching business. Yeah. The coaching business, you know, to something higher than that. I don't know if that's having, you know, an actual location, you know, and doing something like that, but you know, I just taking that to some sort of next level, whatever that is. How many people do you coach? I probably have about 30 right now. Awesome. Um, okay. What is the accomplishment in life you're most proud of? This is a deep one. Oh boy. You get to go first. Well, yeah. Okay. Well, I think at this point in my life, I'm going to say starting my own private practice and running it um, for the last almost 10 years. That's big. That is big. Um, I guess I would have to say <laughs> um, starting my own business, you know, having the courage to to do that and have, you know, having it be successful. And that kind of, I guess, led to, to Bird Strike. I think Bird Strike was, you know, pretty influential on a lot of people. So um, if you had one message to send to the world, what would it be? Oh, this is easy for me. You go. Um, one Stop acting entitled mm. <laughs> Two, work hard at everything that you do. And three, just be nice. Mm. <laughs> um, I love Jana. It's because I, because it's like so typical Jana. I just love it so Stop much. <laughs> like Jana, how do you teach Stop that? Stop being a baby. <laughs> how do you teach that to my five-year-old? Stop being entitled. How do we make our kids not feel entitled? Because I feel like we're, we come out of the womb and, feeling entitled, right? Mimi? Right. You know what is so funny is like last night at dinner, I literally said to my daughter, I had none of the things that you're complaining about right now. When I was little, yes. stop acting entitled. What is she and then saying? I went through what life really looked like. And then she just looked at me with that shock and awe on her face. I mean, I really think that people think they're entitled to things and like physical, like tangible things. They think they're entitled to responses and, and accomplishments and man, we just got to get away from that. Mm-hmm. It's so, so hard to teach our kids that and living in America, like it's just it's so hard. Like that is something I it struggle, is. I struggle with that as a parent more than anything. I'm like, how do I not raise bratty children when they have everything they could ever possibly need or want? You know, right? I know it's hard, and just just keep having the conversation. Yeah. And I'm not a, yeah. like, I'm not an overbuyer. I'm not a person that spoils my kids at all, but it's still like, you're just, they have such a, a, a blessed life. And I mean, Glenn would make fun of me for saying that like blessed life, but like, it's true. <laughs> like they don't have, they couldn't have it any easier, you know? Yeah. They don't, oh, want, just, for, they don't want for anything. No. no. Just wait till they get to be teenagers. It gets worse. Oh gosh. Okay. Nora, what's yours? Um, I guess, 
you know, it's, it's something I, I guess I say to my clients a lot and you know, you're stronger than you think you are hmm. like in any aspect, it doesn't have to be athletics. It doesn't have to be running. It doesn't have to be that, you know, like to get through some sort of hard situation or something like that. Like there's always a way. And most of the time, like you can, you know, persevere and get through it. Like you, yeah, you're stronger than you, you think you are and you're more capable of, of more than, you know, you give yourself credit for. I feel like we all just, you know, shortchange ourselves. It's good. We're reading Ronda Rousey's book, My Fight, Your Fight, for my book club here with the podcast. And um, that really rings to a lot of things that she, she talks about in the book. Um, that's another story for another day, that book. But um, <laughs> <laughs> what are you loving right now in life? Like any apparel or any, anything that you're just into? Well, for me right now, apparel-wise, my very favorite thing in the whole wide world is the Wazelle um, Clio tank, okay. which is amazing. And then things that I'm loving right now are my local Wazelle running group. The women in it are awesome. It's just so much fun. We get together at least every other week. It's just a bunch of bright, smart, determined young women, and it's just so fun to be a part of. You guys have a great group in Minnesota, don't you? Is your group tighter than most of the other around the country? Uh, well, I sure, I don't know. I mean, I don't know, but I will say that I just think that we have something pretty special in Minnesota. It's really fun. Yeah. I have like Minnesota Wazelle, like crushing. Like I want to be a part of the group. Like I just want to move to Minnesota to be a part of their group. Oh, I love it. I just want to, like, I'm so jealous. Oh, that's so good. Um, things I'm running. So we'll just say with the Wazelle thing. So like Wazelle product, like I really love their fly out, which is awesome for, this hot humid humidity, you know, which is also the stuff we use for bird strike, which is great. Um, other other things, I guess I'm I'm really loving the place where like with with my group of of lady friends, I guess. Mm. You know, like Jana and Lori, like making that. Oh, see, I'm going to cry now. <laughs> I almost made the whole thing. You know, like, just having the support and the encouragement and going to these, like, retreats, you know, it opens up and it's like, I'm I'm going. Like, there's, I don't even care what's happening or what's going or if I can afford it. Like, I'm going anyway because I need, I need that, you know, just to be around them. Isn't that fun and when you that. get to that age, you can just cultivate friendships? It's just fun. Dude. It, well, it, it is. And it's, and it's, and it's amazing because... I mean, we met like that, you know, like on a whim, who would have known that we would be here now, you know? And I told, I mean, a little example, I told my daughter, you know, she's like, how do you know Lori? And I said, oh, we met at this running retreat, you know, and she lives in Florida. And she's like, she's, what does she do? And I was like, well, she's coming, you know, she's going to be crewing for this race. And she goes, she's coming all the way here Mm -hmm. just for this race. I was like, yeah, your mom is cool. Okay. I have friends. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm loving every single thing that you're saying about this because a lot of times it seems like you can have children and you get caught up in your world and you do your life and this is what we do and we don't make room and time for those kind of relationships. And you really lose out on a lot when you don't let people in like that, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, what would you be doing right now? You know, it's like, you could just close all that off and just be like, well, this is my life and that's your life. And maybe we see each other, you know, once a year or something. But, like, you maintain these friendships and 
It's like it's life giving, especially when your kids are sucking you dry. <laughs> <laughs> that's the truth, man. That's the truth. <laughs> oh, that's so special. That's so special that you guys have um, really cultivated there with the whole group. What's the best, most recent book you've read? Oh, I'm going first. I just finished yes, mine. Uh, it's called The Radium Girls. Okay. I did a post on Instagram about it. It's this true story about um, in the 1920s, these women uh, were dial painters. So they used radium to paint luminous dials for the government and for um, it just, you know, mass production. And when radium came out and they didn't know the ramifications of that it's a radioactive substance and basically their fight against like corporate America, you know, for the rights of women and knowing, you know, it's an amazing, amazing book. You should definitely read it. And it was quite fitting, you know, of like women empowerment, mm-hmm. like before this race. And basically OSHA was started because of these women. That's awesome. So a lot of like, you know, federal, federal regulations that we have against, you know, uh, hazardous substances in workplaces are because these women fought for fought for them. Oh wow, I've never yeah. heard of that. Yeah, I had never heard of it either until like they the author was on NPR uh, and was awesome. Jana, what's yours? I know you got a, You have a bo- I know you have a boat day, so I want to make I want to make sure you're so you- funny. <laughs> so I did that Ronda Rousey book, of course, but I'm already on to um, option B. Cheryl Sandberg. It's oh. super good about grief and loss and I just think it's been really a powerful read considering you know my husband's lost his father this year it's been a really good read and I'm really enjoying it and it's got a lot of good takeaways for how to how to just live your life and interact with people when suffering the kind of you know tragic loss that he suffered so it's good it's good perspective I have to read that book so good. Yeah, you, it's really applicable. You'd like it for your situation as well. Yeah, you're like the third or fourth person recently that's even recommended it, and I'd heard of it before. What is your a favorite nonprofit you like to support? Okay, well, my husband and I um, do a lot of giving in our local community just because he is a biz- business owner, and so am I. So I think the most recent one that we've well, there's been two recently. So um, Big Brothers, Big Sisters in town, we always do for their big give. And then um, my daughter goes to a private Catholic school. And um, we always donate heavily, of course, to their big fundraiser, which they just had at the night of night auctions. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess there's two locally here. Uh, my husband was a part of kind of setting them up. There's one that's called Dream, Bike, Dream Bikes um, that provides um, jobs for kids who are in low income neighborhoods, um, gives the kids a, a job and a place, you know, a safe place to work and business skills and things like that. Um, they fix and repair and sell bikes. Um, and then there's another one that's called the playing field, which is a uh, daycare center for homeless children. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, we have a, something called free will in here, here that sounds similar to your dream bikes. And it's right across, it's like two blocks from my house. And I always want to walk over there and see what they're all about. And I'm pretty sure that it's a similar thing. So now you're motivating me to go check them out. Um, who are your top three favorites of people to follow on social media? Oh, you go first. Oh my. I know. Well, just like famous people. Um, I guess I love following Emma Coburn. Okay. Cause she bakes and she works out and she runs. I mean, come on, stop it. She's amazing. <laughs> um, right. I mean, seriously. 
she's she's so cute. Um, who else do I love to follow? Well, I love following Nora just because she's one of my best friends. Uh-huh. Oh. Um, and it's always good to keep in contact because even though we're four hours, you know, apart only, it still seems like kind of a distance at times. Um, and let's see, third. I don't know. That's a hard one. Well, you don't have to have a third if you don't want to. Yeah, I'm good. I'm okay. passing on that. Pass. <laughs> yeah, so I guess I Gianna is going to be one of mine also because I crack up so much on the posts that she does about her children uh-huh. that I can't oh. even, like, I will resend it to her and say, like, this is, <laughs> like, oh, my God, I've watched this a million times. This is hilarious. <laughs> Um, another kind of like fun fact I watch a lot of reality TV so I follow some like reality like housewives like housewives which housewives do you follow um I kind of like Bethany Frankel because she Uh basically just is no bullshit Uh so I I like her a lot um and then I just, I, I, I kind of like slide into a few of the other ones, but like, she's probably the main one that I you follow. actually pay attention to her. Yeah. I just, I just like her a lot. <laughs> um, and then I, I was just trying to think, like scroll through my feed to see like who else I really, I really thought, I, I guess I would probably have to say like Erin Ward cause she's hilarious <laughs> and being on bird strike with her. Like, I don't know who you're that never, is. I have to find her. Aaron Ward. Yeah. W A R D. She's awesome. She's a Minnesota oh. girl. Oh, she doesn't post a lot, but when she does, it's it's pretty much golden. Oh, good. So, I love it. Okay, yeah. ladies. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. This yeah, was so fun. You. I hope that people really enjoy. I know they're going to enjoy kind of getting like a a front seat ride to what your experience was like and getting to know you guys a little bit better. So, um, enjoy your vacation, Jana. Yeah. Thanks, Lindsay. I am. Yay. Have fun. Take a shower. Um, I know, right? I'm so gross. (laughs) Awesome. All right. Have a great day, ladies. Thanks so much, my dear. Thank you. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening today. Thank you, Jana. Thank you, Nora, for coming on the podcast and sharing your time with me. Man, I love that about this show, that I get to spend time with women all over the country that I would never get to talk to otherwise or that I wouldn't make time to talk to or they wouldn't make time to talk to me. You guys can find everything we talked about in this episode over at the show notes lindsayhine.com. Make sure to head over and check out the Kind Snacks sample box kindsnacks.com slash another. Find me on Instagram and say hello lindsayhine626. You can also find me over on Twitter at lindsayhine and we've got a Facebook page. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine as well as a group. I thank you guys so much for listening, for encouraging, and all of that means the world for me. You guys have a great weekend, and as always, I'll see you next Friday.